Hello and welcome to the Financial Independence UK podcast. Join your hosts, Tom and Alex, as we talk about wealth creation, financial planning and personal development, specifically for the UK. Hello, people of the UK. So this is the UK Fi podcast. Uh, we have revised our name after episode one because we found that UK Fi podcast sounds a little bit better than financial independence, United Kingdom. Let's make it a bit shorter. Anyway, so today's episode, uh, we're going to focus on the what and why of Fi, dive into the basics and uh, cover all our origin stories. But I'm obviously not doing this all by myself, also together with my co-hosts. Hey, guys. Hi, Alva. Hi, Alva. Good stuff. So this is also the first episode recording with the three of us. So really curious how this is going to go. But yeah, we, we just really wanted to get started with an origin story of the what and why of Fi to be one of the first episodes for, for all our new listeners to kind of get an understanding where financial independence is about, where it's about for us. And, you know, also kind of what you can expect from us, you know, us as persons will um, add our personal um, stories in there, kind of like as case studies to give a bit of flavor all in different stages of life. So I will hope uh, this will make for an interesting show in the end. But just to get started a little bit in terms of financial independence and FI and where it all started and what it means, because like, you know, it's always so good to look back. I mainly want to like focus with the three of us on the future because that's where it's about. The best is nice to learn about, but, you know, we can stick to the basics. But let's just get started with, you know, where did financial independence actually, um, where was it born? So as most people will know, back in the US, they have far uh, shittier healthcare than we do um, and way higher taxes and they all work 70 hours a week well stereotypes obviously but kind of like through that mentality in their society and by a lot of people they just realize okay hey i don't want this anymore is there a way out is there a way around um and through kind of like the need extremism of their society there was a need for something called financial independence for them to get out of it for them to uh, evolve out of it and through that, lots and lots of people, Mr. Money Mustache, Vicky Robertson, and all of them wrote amazing books and blogs. And they uh, founded an amazing uh, movement with millions and millions of people joining it. And lots of those principles obviously also apply to the UK in terms of saving all your, uh, all your money, being frugal, um, the 4% rule, that financial independence effectively save up 25 times uh, your annual expenses, save that up and you can withdraw 4% on an annual basis based on this Trinity study. All completely true. Um, and in many ways, those things also apply to the UK. But the UK is not the US. We're different. And there are many things uh, we have less of a need for. We have normal healthcare, maybe lower salaries and lower taxation, but we don't work 60 hours a week. At least I hope most of us not. Um, so that makes the need for financial independence and in most cases also the focus a little bit different. Um, that doesn't mean it's not necessary slash beneficial. And obviously, otherwise the three of us would not be here. Um, so to kind of like get started with that, um, I would like to like throw in some of our personal stories. So yeah. Anyway, Tom, would you be up for going first and like telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, your um, relation with FI, how you came in touch with it, how you want to get there in the end and you know, kind of like, what does it mean for you? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm Tom. I work in risk and financial services. I'm 25 and I'm currently on my journey to FI. It started when I was 18, 19 years old when I was at university and I had to sort of properly budget for the first time in my life. Uh, you know, you get somewhere in the region about £500 a month to live off with your student which not a lot of money at all when you go out drinking every weekend. Um, but yeah, so I started uh, trying to budget to make that last as long as possible and slowly got to learn about 
some sort of basic personal finance uh, strategies and tips and, and that sort of thing. And it sort of developed into me trying to optimize everything. And when I graduated and got a job, I thought, let's let's try and keep this system sort of well oiled and try and make as good progress as possible. So it sort of developed naturally into saving and looking at what the best savings account was or how best to contribute to a pension. And then the sort of logical extreme, I think, of all of this planning and strategy is financial independence. And because I started young, I knew that this was something that I could achieve if I put my mind to it. You know, give it 20, 30 years of investing in a stocks and shares ISA. And I think that's something that, you know, it's it's, it's very probable to to retire um, earlier than sort of 58, which is what I pensioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's, as for why, it sort of spawned from... I didn't think I could be in a full-time job until I was 60. Uh, I wanted some freedom to try other things, you know, I could travel, start a business. It's not so much about the money per se. Um, I think I'm a relatively frugal person, which sort of contributes to the whole five thing, I think. But it's more it's more to have freedom and choice and have this sort of space for, for personal development. How about you, Alex? Hi, guys. I'm Alex. I'm 31. I'm a mental health nurse by trade, so I come at this from an entirely different angle from both Tom and Elvar. Um, my kind of my reasoning for kind of picking up and running with it is because I like the idea of, similar to Tom, of having choice and options. But for me, what drives it is mostly the, the choice to work because you want to work, not because you have to. So you don't have these kind of commitments to meet them every month that you can't meet without going to work so ultimately for me that gives me the most choice um, and the most options to do what I want to do with my time Um, I like the kind of the well-oiled nature of it as Tom mentioned because the more you automate uh, the easier I think it becomes for me Um, and kind of the beginning of my journey is now really into investing I didn't know anything about investing six months ago Um, I've read a couple of books listened to a lot of podcasts and um, I'm kind of beginning from scratch now. I don't have loads of money socked away in investment accounts at the moment. It's something I'm going to be doing in the next six months. But it's interesting. We actually come from this, come at this from a range of different kind of um, backgrounds. And hopefully it will provide kind of a unique kind of viewpoint on, uh, on where we're all heading. We're all going the same place, but we're getting there in wildly different ways. So, yeah, it should be good. Can I also ask, um, you know, you said you wanted to uh, just the money into stocks and shares eyes and go from there. Um, can you give us like a picture? How far are you already roughly there? Because obviously, you know, you have been a money savvy person for ages. Like, do you roughly have like a number in mind uh, you want to reach in the end? Basically, what I'd like to kind of achieve is I've, I've looked at kind of numbers and things and I've kind of done a bit of revision on it. I originally looked at the kind of the holy grail of the 25 times your income 4% withdrawal but um, I then thought about actually how much money am I going to realistically need without a mortgage with kind of minimal living costs Um, and I looked at actually that could be as little as 500 a month instead of a thousand I worked off before um, which has cut that figure in half which has made it a lot more attainable in my mind but I think obviously that will fluctuate so I'll my plan to kind of work out an exact figure is to take a couple of months worth of expenses and then come up with a figure for the year with an allowance for 
emergencies or panic situations and things like that um to then come up with a figure i'd always overestimate how much i need because if i'm right then good i've got loads of extra money um and if i'm wrong then i should have bang on where i need to be so hopefully that makes sense a fair call so is it kind of like you know you first want to assess a couple months of expenses and from there you know throw 20 percent on top and then have like a realistic of amount what you actually need on a monthly basis absolutely my my expenditures whilst i've been a student training have been all over the place um i've gone from driving kind of three miles a day to get to work um and then um, on the other end of the spectrum i'll be covering a couple of hundred a day so in terms of transport it's all all over the place so for now i'll take a job in one location um and i'll know kind of what i've got coming into what i've got going out and that's what i'll base my figure on fair call and if one of you knows ask over now about for yourself then that makes for a nice transition that's it that's the plan i try to make things as easy as possible so uh, i don't know if you guys agree but for me that's uh if it's easier then uh, it's better in my book yeah i totally agree i think a fundamental idea of FIs sort of simplifying and optimizing and i think that this the more simple it is the more likely you are to do it and to stick to it because let's be honest doing one thing for 20 30 years straight is quite difficult there's a lot of temptations especially financially it's quite difficult to stick to those sorts of things uh, but in terms of my own number my own sort of idea or plan of where i want to get to um i think the the sort of 300,000 invested mark which is what Alex was sort of alluding to, which a 4% withdrawal gives you about £1,000 a month. I think that's a very common goal for UK FI people from my experience, um, considering if you had like a, a fully paid off house or, you know, sort of a, a, a permanent sort of free living space, then I think £1,000 a month is, is an ample amount of money if you're at least somewhat frugal. Have you got any idea, Arthur, for your plan? Um, so in terms of plan, uh, like my approach is pretty straightforward. Um, earn myself as much cash as I can possibly do. Um, obviously save through workplace pension, 20k a year in ISA, um, and in the end buy a property through ELISA, live in there um, and get a lodger to get costs down as far as possible. Keep saving money up um, and until I reach the number I've got in mind, well, in my case, that's roughly 350 to 400k, a little bit depending on when I actually get there. And one thing I quickly wanted to add on that. So when you say 300 to 400k, you know, it's kind of what most people aim at in the UK. It's actually, that's considered quite lean fire in the sense, you know, you've got the terms fat fire and lean fire and lean fire. Yeah, a thousand a month. It might sound a lot to us, but I think for a lot of families, it's actually not much and barely enough to like properly kind of like quality-wise live on. David Sawyer in his book, Reset, he's mentioning roughly like the 850 mark is like a good benchmark um, to reach for. And um, he's probably going to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I do believe he's aiming on that more like on middle-class families in terms of a number. But I guess when you say 300, does that mean for you or does it also mean for partner combined? Yeah, I, I would go for 300,000 per person of that's, I, I would say just invested assets as well, as you say, like buying a house with a LISA or something like that. That would, I would sort of consider those funds differently. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's a very good benchmark. As you said, what David Sawyer said was 850K, which is 4% is about two and a half grand a month, I think, off the top of my head. Um, and I think, yeah, so two and a half grand a month for a family of, let's say, four, two people, two kids. 
then that's sort of 800 an adult and 400 for each child. I think that's that's sort of relatively suitable, I would say. And I think there's also a good point that just by reaching this number doesn't mean you're right, right, I'll pack my bags, I'll quit my job and I'll do absolutely nothing for the rest of my life. There are, you know, there's opportunities to, to have a part-time job in something which is perhaps not as well paid, but still enjoyable or earn money in, in, in loads of other ways. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's not, for me, something I didn't mention that Tom's just mentioned is a really, really good point. But when we hit this figure, it's not just a, let's throw everything in the air and quit our jobs and just live in a tent somewhere. It's kind of, I would, my plan is I continue to live as I am doing. I would have um, other sources of income as well to supplement it, or normally called side hustles. But I would too consider the the 300,000 um, as invest invested monies, not including kind of equity in houses or equity in anything else um, for that matter. But I would um, continue to kind of make money from things that would run themselves, that would kind of automate themselves. And in my case, that would be something like using Airbnb as a platform to make money, but away from my own residence. So I'd kind of rent other properties, or they're not really properties, they would be um, cabins on the land I would buy with my next house. So that was my plan to kind of keep things ticking at the same time. So it wouldn't just be the strict £1,000 a month, let's all eat beans and bread. It would be supplemented with other income as well. So I don't know if you guys had planned something similar to that, or it suggests let's live off my assets and uh, drink tequila on the beach type thing. I think that's definitely a good uh, call diversify away because I mean, not, it's, they always say you need seven uh, streams of income. That's the safest way kind of like of maximizing success in the end. Um, and when you only have your pension income or investment returns or whatever, and that's your sole source of income, it sounds far too risky to me to just completely rely on that. Uh, but in terms of like similar plans well, for myself, definitely planning to get a lodger, um, you know, at like five, 600 a month uh, for one of the rooms and get a two bedroom in the end. Um, which um, with tax-free threshold at uh, 7.5K should generate uh, effectively enough to cover the entire mortgage um, interest and uh, payment and just paying off the principal and obviously bills that are come on top of that. But by doing that, I can probably pay, pay two-thirds of like the recurring bills linked to the property. Um, and yeah, combined, I, I've got a couple of businesses um, running myself that generate passive income and those hopefully will reach uh, higher numbers than they currently at to sustain myself um, and lifestyle. And then obviously also the job, uh, putting money away. And like for myself personally, um, I got a, a bunch of investment strategies that, yeah, I've got, obviously got my standard portfolio at VWRL. And I probably throw 1.2, 1.4K a month in there, save it up, rinse, repeat, out of transfer to Vanguard, job done. And uh, through my um, workplace mansion, Scottish Widows in my case, the default plan, um, World Market Fund, boom, my entire match goes there, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat every single month. That probably gets me to like 1.9, 2-ish K a month that's just fixed, saved into uh, ETFs, which I quite like as an approach. But at the same time, I want more stability and more diversification and also a higher level of cash flow because those ETFs are fun. But based on like long-term track records, they come up with a return. The actual dividends they pay out, 2.2% or something, I believe, on VWRL, that doesn't really work in the end if I truly want to live off that 
like you know on the short run or even in the long run i feel it's better to combine them like in my case i've got a peer-to-peer -peer lending portfolio as well that generates between 10 to 12 percent return on a yearly basis which is invested over several european platforms slash uk platforms and next to that i've got also got a dividend growth portfolio which is an episode we will talk on well, a topic we will talk in on in a later episodes but effectively Around 08, I started to buy into dividend companies um, or dividend paying companies and uh, repeated it every single year, the more money in it and reinvested the dividends. I earned through those companies and kept buying, kept buying. And once I actually stopped reinvesting, I can actually cash out that dividends and, you know, live off the cash flow. And probably for most companies, I got so far, the cash on cash return is somewhere in the range of uh, 12 to 14% based on my original investment I've made in them. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts on that, guys? No, I, I think that's really sensible. I quite like that idea. I've never heard of that before, these seven income streams, but I, I, I do quite like that idea. That's something that I've tried to do in sort of the past sort of two years is try to diversify by having as many side hustles as possible. But no, I, th I think that's it's very sensible that uh, I, I don't think we should phrase FI as this super attainable thing and all you've got to do is save 150 grand in a, stocks and shares isa you know it's it's definitely not a style of living for everyone it's very sort of particular and it takes a lot of planning and sort of dedication and organization to get there but i think if you are that minded and you're willing to put in extra work outside your job and you enjoy personal development and scraping around for every penny you can find then yeah that fight is definitely something that, that can be achieved yeah, I'd absolutely agree with it. I hadn't heard of the seven kind of in, um, income streams. What I am kind of sure of is that this kind of pathways is as much about knowing where you're going and how you're going to get there, but regulating emotions at the same time, which I, I can see very clearly from the mental health point of view. It's an emotional kind of achievement as well as a financial one, because it's going to take a lot of nerve to kind of keep plowing ahead with the, this kind of idea in the long run it's not something you can attain overnight or in a couple of months it's it's kind of in it for the long haul it's interesting you guys mentioned kind of the side hustles as well because i had a quick chat with alvar a couple of weeks ago and i actually realized in my how many kind of income streams i have and at the moment i currently have my normal kind of mental health nursing job um, we run airbnb from our house we also do some guardianship for children that go to the local private schools and we also sell eggs from our chickens which i'm not sure can be classed as a side hustle because they cost a lot more than we make from them um, but i like I, it that, that's I, my girlfriend would love that that is seriously cool i would say it's more of a, a, a net loss for us at the moment but who knows they they um do more for our mental health than and physical health than they do financial health yeah we really enjoy them so they won't be going anywhere um but no i think the idea of kind of having as many income streams as you can it doesn't it does diversify you as a person and your biggest kind of asset i think that we all of us anybody has is their ability to earn money um, and the more options you have available the better really you can switch from one one job to another job you can have income streams from all over the place i'm not very good at having income streams that don't involve a lot of work on my part so I, i'm probably going to learn a lot from alvar about learning learning how to kind of make money from uh, like passive investments but one thing i'm about to do is do some tree surgery qualifications because i love being outdoors 
that would kind of provide that as well. And it would pro- provide wood kind of my log burner, which is free heat and light. But it also it gives me time away from the, the clinical environment, away from the wards um, and to be in nature. So those two worked really well for me in the past. So I'd like to take them into an avenue that will kind of match with my financial independence kind of goals, really. So I think that's a really good point, actually. I think it's something that not a lot of people touch on is what would you fill your time with once you do become retired? And having those sorts of hobbies, as you say, they might not all be massive money makers and they're not sort of generating tons and tons of wealth. But what they do do is occupy your time. They keep you happy. They keep you healthy as well. And I think it's really good to have something to sort of retire into to feel as though you have a reason to actually want to achieve financial independence. I think that's very, very important. Absolutely. If you have a happy mind and happy, you're happy physically and mentally, then you can really, you can turn your attention to anything you want. Once you kind of don't have this time drain of going to work between nine and five, five days a week, you can, you have so much time to do anything you like with really. You can pick up any kind of hobby or sport or passion that you've thought, mm, I wish I could do that, but I have to go to work, pick it up, run with it, try it. If it doesn't work, try something else. You'll find something that you, you really enjoy. I'd really like to get into woodwork. Um, I'm not good at it at the moment, as my other half will attest to, but that's something that I'd like to kind of be better at and it would give me the time to do it and I'd be able to work outside. So, yeah, those really kind of the amalgamation of all of those would give me the ability to do that. So that's really what drives me to kind of keep going when stuff gets difficult. So, yeah, challenges are tough to overcome. It's kind of building yourself the lifestyle. Um, you always wanted to live and like slowly getting there because, you know, what is fine, it, it's nothing more than a way of living. And in our case, what we consider the most ideal way and getting the easiest and best way of getting there. And like, if I think about this for myself, w- what is the best way of getting there? Like for me, finding side hustles of, or ways to earn money, they come pretty natural and they're quite easy. There will always be a way or a business or something that's like hey you know let's spell money in there or do this and that and it will earn money in the end that's not like actually the part i'm worried about or what's the hardest i think the hardest as well is you know getting there in the end and as we mentioned earlier getting you know retiring to something because i know far too many people who've earned so much money millions and millions they retired or they were done and did money truly make them happy in the end no um there's US-based research that's saying, I believe it's 75,000 roughly, um, the number they're quoting, like up to that level, you know, earning more money on a yearly basis actually makes you happier. Having 5 million in the bank, will that truly make your life better? I mean, I guess also at the same time, while you accumulate the actual cash flow uh, slash the portfolio you need to retire on, you also kind of like need to build a retirement muscle that enjoy yourself and truly focus what you want muscle. Because how hard is it going to be now if you suddenly have all the time in the world and you can do whatever you want? There's no buzz anymore. Honestly, if I would have that right now, I would kind of freak out. Like, I would find it quite hard to transition like on the spot over now. And that's also why it's so important to have a plan as well for when you retire. Anyway, guys, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, in terms of actually kind of like building a retiring muscle and keeping yourself uh, occupied and having enough going like what are your thoughts on that i think it's super important i think um a large part of why people don't become financially independent is they just don't know about it and 
they don't think they don't think to change their perspective on what they do when they go to work every day to think that ah, if I actually worked hard, I could not do this anymore. So yeah, I think it yeah, it's, it's all about perspective. It's all about understanding that there are strategies there. There are things you can do to sort of get out of 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 having to go to work all the time. But I think some people are so conditioned to do it that they would be very scared if, if they if, if they had to do that. I think it centres from purpose in life, doesn't it? I think once you meet somebody new, um, how long do you think it will be before they tell you what they do for a living? In my experience, it's been almost like the second or third thing they've mentioned, apart from, hi, my name is, this is what I do. Um, and I think it's a very big part of how people perceive themselves because it gives them a kind of a purpose and a role and something to talk about. Um, and yeah, I think you're right, Tom. It's very much um, an engraved thing that when you're old enough, you go to work, you have a job, you get paid. That allows you to live for however long, for that month, year, whatever. And then you you continue doing that. I mean, we're kind of bordering on consumer culture, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, in a later episode. But I think it's ultimately it provides a sense of kind of belonging. It ties people to a particular either region or industry um, and it makes people feel safe. Um, And without those things, your mental health can slip. So I do think it has um, benefits in in terms of people's mental health. but I think you're right. A lot of people don't think beyond that. They don't think, actually, this is what I could be doing something totally different with my life. Um, and all it takes is, uh, well, all it takes, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of dedication, but it can be done. Other people are proof of it. So I don't know, Alva, do you think do you think similarly or, or otherwise? I indeed think similarly. And like, as mentioned earlier, for me, it's about building the lifestyle. Um, but even like right now, I, I still sometimes like struggle with actually building that lifestyle, finding the kind of like right core focus points of, you know, how will my fine lifestyle look like? And if you look kind of like what I, how I live on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, we all live pretty good lives. I work 35 hours a week at my main job and probably another 20 adult side hustles, but just, just that as a principle. And um, how we live, we honestly, we cannot complain. We're extremely fortunate being in this position and being able to plan like this. But what I also think can potentially be quite valuable for listeners is kind of getting an idea like how far we are along in our journeys. So um, obviously, if um, yeah, you're not happy sharing numbers or it goes a bit too far, please say it. But for myself, I think, you know, it just helps building and understanding. So I'll go first on that one. Like in my case, I mentioned earlier that I probably save uh, 2K roughly a month into ETFs, which is kind of like my main saving target right now. Um, and I'm probably I'm anywhere between um, four to 10 years away from financial independence, depending on how the markets work out, which is obviously an answer like, you know, it can literally mean anything. I don't really want to uh, reveal my exact net worth, but I've been saving for quite a while and I've reached... Um, a level I'm quite happy with, but again, it can take anywhere from four to 10 years to get to the numbers needed to really like be like, okay, I'm resigning now. I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, but even then, even if I would have all that money in the world right now, I don't think I would truly like resign on the spot or do nothing or not work because I like working too much. Maybe, you know, I would apply for like a less stressful position or completely go contracting, who knows, or solely pick the projects I am most interested in. Definitely possible, 
but kind of like you know not stopping with working i don't think that is what five means for me it's, it means living the most purposeful and best life you can i mean we only have so many hours and years on this planet and so many people already waste their years on nothing and we're you know we're part of the best educated generation ever and we have all the information tools available to get to like the best possible life not doing it it's just you know you're kind of killing yourself off if you don't it's not doing it it's wasteful and i don't like wasting human resource and human capital if we can if more people can learn about this they can all live happier and better lives and now we i start rambling on like crazy as some kind of like life poet but i mean that's in the end where it's all, all about right living a better life but guys before i ramble on i kind of want to throw over the same question to you if you're happy sharing and telling us about it kind of like how far are you roughly in your financial independence journey? Like how many years do you think it would take for you to get there to your current savings rate? And if you throw in kind of like a savings amount a month in there, that would be, I think, quite nice for the listeners to hear. Yeah, of course. Um, so I save uh, a large portion of my income. I save about 70% at the moment. That's because I'm still living at home, looking to move out soon. But then in total, across my savings rate and all my solid income and that sort of stuff, I save about one and a half thousand pounds a month, which I'm really, really happy with. In terms of my sort of FI number, I'm not even 10% of the way there, <laughs> but I don't let that sort of discourage me. I understand it's a long journey and it, the, this, the hardest part is always starting. And then the more that you invest, the more interest you're going to earn and the more it's going to sort of do for you. But yeah, I'm very much in the accumulation stage. So looking to increase my earnings through work, to increase my earnings through side hustles, that sort of thing. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I would agree. What you've said is basically the snowball method. Like you just start it rolling and then it will kind of roll itself with its own momentum. But I approach this from a slightly different angle than the two of you. I'm very fortunate that my other half is on board with my kind of idea or our idea now. So at the moment we have a bit of equity in the house we live in um, through overpaying our mortgage. I have a little bit saved up um, across various accounts. And, you know, sorry, I forgot where I was going. Yeah, I have a little bit saved up um, in across my accounts. And um, our plan initially is to move house, move to what we would call our forever house. And it would involve taking a slightly bigger mortgage um, than we have at the moment and then aggressively kind of paying that down as quickly as possible because um, I get I could invest it and earn more money back on it but for me for my own kind of mental physical and financial health um, I would feel better knowing I have a house that nobody can take away from me and it's it just belongs to us and then really at the same time as doing that it's working on those automated side hustles that will run themselves so my plan is to build this is the wood kind of tree surgery thing coming in again, build a couple of cabins on the land um, that we'll have with our next house, um, which means we'll have to move out of Kent because everything down here costs a fortune. Um, and then renting those through Airbnb. And once we've got enough money, build a second one, rent two. Once we have enough money again, build a third one, rent all three, um, and kind of leave that ticking itself as a business, as a side hustle, and kind of continue with it. But in terms of a, a percentage figure, um, it's, it's hard for me to kind of estimate, but I would say I'm probably about somewhere between 10 and 20% of the way there with the, the money I have at the moment. 
but that will vary drastically on kind of housing costs for what we get for this house, what we spend on our next one. So it's all a bit up in the air. So maybe that that's a bit narrow. I'm going to go between zero and 25% of the way there for now. In the next year, that's when everything will change for us. So um, when, when we move house, we'll um, be able to come up with a better kind of figure from there. But in my mind, I'd say I'm about 85% of the way there mentally to achieving it. I've got a little bit more to do with that. But yeah, those are my figures. Cool. I love your spirit. Thank you. Uh, anyway, guys, I think it makes for a nice roundup of the episodes. Um, so for all the listeners out there, um, I hope this format works nicely with the three of us kind of like discussing things. And yeah, we, we kind of want to stick to that. Avoid going to like the, um, the hour mark. Stick to 30 to 40 minutes. Get like nice condensed discussions going. Um, hopefully also get some interviews in the mix. Um, soon as well so yeah thank you all so much for listening and guys thank you so much for this uh, first awesome episode with the three of us oh you're welcome no problem i'll see you next time yeah thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening to the financial independence uk podcast we hope you found it useful If you have any questions or ideas for us, feel free to email at fi.ukpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.